Good morning. Wasn't that an awesome time of worship? It was. Uh, a little more energy, though. That was, it was awesome. Like, that was a holy moment. And we have to always remember when we're, we're worshiping, it's, it's never about us, what we get out of worship, but what does God get from it? And then we benefit. When we give God our whole hearts, he pours back out upon us his spirit, his grace for us. So if I haven't had the chance to meet you, my name is Scott, and I have the privilege of teaching the word this morning, being the, the pastor here at Novation, and welcome to everybody. Our hope and prayer is that you would you know, encounter love, you would encounter the God who is love, you'd encounter Jesus, and that we together as a community, broken, would be healed and, and pursue him in a relationship together. I want to emphasize next week for our in-house service, if that's new language to you, it just is, this is a, it's a family time where we talk about everything that, that God's been doing and what we feel like God wants to do in and through us individually and as a church, and we are going to have quite the feast. So if anything, just come for the amazing food that we're going to have next week. Uh, when it's over. So come hungry next week. Don't worry about Sunday lunch. There'll be plenty of food here for that. So let's pray. Father, as we approach your word this morning, we do it with humility. We know that your word is alive. We know that your word changes us. And I ask today, Lord, um, that you would just teach. Lord, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart truly be pleasing in your sight. People don't need to hear from me. We need to hear from you, God. So we say thank you for what you're going to do. Jesus' name, amen. If someone was to ask you what was the most important way to spend your life or the most important uh, thing to do with your life, how would we respond? In many ways, people would respond, you know, well, Live a good life, enjoy life, live life to the fullest, pursue your dreams. Uh, you know, we get a lot of that kind of talk, make sure you pursue your dreams. And those are all, those th kind of things are, are true. But what does Jesus have to say about a life that's well spent? What does he have to say about the most important thing in life? And he said that the most important thing about life is to love God, heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love our neighbor as ourself. And so that achievements, success, money, all these things really don't compare to a life that's built on love, love for God and love for one another. And so today we're going to talk about how we love God by loving our neighbor. And that's so important because they're not two different things, love God, love your neighbor. To God means to, when you love your neighbor, when you love people, you're actually showing love for him. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So we're in a series called What's Next? And we're, we're looking and asking God the, the, the question, what's next? But not so much what's next as, as a question like, God, what do you want to do next? But his invitation to us of what do you want me to do in and through you? What do you want me to do in and through um, you guys, as us as individuals, and us as a church. And the ultimate thing that God wants to do is he wants to produce fruit. Jesus said that it is to the Father's glory that we produce much fruit, 
showing ourselves to be his disciples. And that fruit is individually the fruit of the spirit. It's using our lives to influence and impact other people, ministry, and then corporately together. And so today we're going to talk about love, more love. What's next? What is God's invitation is for us to become even more loving people. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 13, he says this. He says, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law, the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And what, whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. Over ten times in the, the Bible we see the command to love your neighbor as yourself. When God says something ten times, we should probably listen to what he's trying to say to each one of us. And the, the type of love that he's talking about is not a feeling. Nowhere in the Bible do you see the command to like your neighbor as yourself. Because to like somebody is a feeling. It's, you know, up and down. Love is an action verb. And literally, the, the word that's used there is the, is the Greek word agape. In the English language, we're limited when it comes to the word love. I can say that I love ice cream, I love basketball, I love my wife, or I love God. And there's different types of love that are there. The Greek language is way more descriptive. And so they had a word, have a word in Greek that describes what type of love we're talking about. And this one is agape love. And agape love, by definition, is unconditional. It's, it's love that's given without expecting anything in return. That's hard to do. Us as humans, giving unconditional love is difficult, and yet that's exactly what we're told to do. And so my prayer for us is that people wouldn't care about you know, Novation Church is, is, is a great church, or they have this, they have that, but that people would just say, you know what, they really love God and they love one another. At the end of the day, that's what matters most, that anything will please the heart of God, is that if we love Him by loving one another and loving the world around us and the people around us, Jesus said in John 13, the world will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. So let's keep that in mind. So Jesus takes this way further in Luke chapter uh, 10. And he says, it says about Jesus, it says, On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Let me stop there real quick. You can keep the verse up there. The, the teacher of the law would have been somebody that studied all of the 613 commands in the Hebrew scriptures. And would have known all the, the, the books of the, the, the Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures, would have been so well versed. And he stood up to see, is Jesus really who people are saying he is? Is he really the Messiah? Does he really know what the scriptures teach about God? And he says, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, Jesus replies. How do you read it? Jesus turns it back on him. He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind 
and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. He's got to stop there. He says, do this and you will live. If you love God all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself, do this and you'll live. And you've answered correctly. Here's the deal. There's only been one person that ever loved God with perfectly and loved their neighbor as themselves. That's Jesus. And so the gospel of Jesus Christ is this. Jesus came into this world, this broken, sinful world, took on human flesh, took on human uh, nature, and became one of us to live a perfect life. He lived a perfect life. He fulfilled all of these commands that have to do with loving God and loving our neighbor. And then he died on a cross to pay the penalty for our failure to love God and to love one another. The root of all sin comes from my lack of loving God, not believing he is who he says he is and obeying what he says to do. And sin comes from me not loving my neighbor as myself. That, that really is the root of everything. So the gospel is Jesus did that in our place. And he died to pay the, the penalty that the law demanded for, for breaking it. And so this guy here, he wanted to justify himself. Something in him said, mm, I know that he's right. Love God and love your neighbor. Um, so let me see if I'm really okay. <laughs> you ever been there? Am I really? Did I really make the cut here, Jesus? And he says, he asked this bold question, who is my neighbor? I'm sure Jesus went, okay, now, now I'm about to tell you, who really is my neighbor? Thinking Jesus was like, do you really want to know where this is going? Let me tell you. A man was going down from Jerusalem. Jesus responds with a story. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same, same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his donkey. And he brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, which would be like two days wage. And he gave them to the innkeeper. And he said, look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Here's Jesus. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Do you see how much Jesus upped the game there? It's easy to say, love God, love your neighbor. But what does that look like? How does that apply to my life and to your life? So as I was working through this passage, I thought there's, there's three things I can do concerning my neighbor. Three things we can do. The first one is I can avoid and ignore my neighbors. 
I can, and, and, and you can think of your neighbor as your literal neighbor and people you pass by on, on a daily basis. I can avoid and ignore them. And let's be honest, we do that a lot. We avoid and we ignore. This priest, he's walking on the same road and he sees this man broken and beaten. He does nothing. He just hightails around him and keeps going. Why did he do that? He's a priest. He's a religious guy. The priest did the work in the temple. They, they you know, entered into the holy place. Well, if you read the law close enough, it says that if a, a, a priest can never touch a dead body. So there might have been a possibility that this guy's dead, so I'm going to keep rolling so that I can, you know, I don't disobey the law and become unclean. And, and here's the deal. For him, the problem I see for him is that purity was his priority rather than people. And so being pure was his priority rather than loving the man that was beaten and broken. Jesus broke broke the rules he didn't break the law but these sometimes it would, they would people would the jews would take the law so far that jesus would say listen you've, you've taken this too far this is not what was intended in the law and so what this shows me is that religion or religious being religious doesn't make you more loving don't become religious or try or in your or think you got religion if you got jesus you become a more loving person that's the whole point Second thing I can do concerning my neighbor is I can notice them, but stay uninvolved. That's what the Levite did. And a Levite was a temple assistant. And so the Levite, I, you know, we don't know why in the story he didn't stop. There was written in the law, the Levitical law, that if somebody touched a dead body, they would have to go through this rite of purification over seven days. Maybe he was in a hurry. Maybe he, he was supposed to do something and he didn't want to get caught up in the purification laws. We just, we don't, we don't know. But the third thing concerning our neighbor, which is the right thing, is I can treat them the way I would want to be treated. Treat them the way we would want to be treated. Jesus said in Matthew seven twelve, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, right? Now, the amazing part about this is you have a priest, a Levite, and a Samaritan. A Samaritan Jesus using a Samaritan to be the, the star of the story, so to speak, is pretty would have been very amazing to his listeners, especially the expert in the law, because the Samaritans were hated by the Jews at this time. They were half-breeds, half-Jew, half-something else living in the land. And so there was some racism going on. And Jesus chooses to use this analogy of a Samaritan being the one that actually act lovingly and loved his neighbor as himself. It's interesting. I, uh, Novation has a good relationship with a ministry called Global Refuge. We're actually going to hear from them in a couple weeks. Um, Global Refuge, they, were te they have um, gospel humanitarian um, things all over the world. And in one place in particular, they're in northern Uganda, where there's a huge refugee crisis. And so they're there feeding and clothing and taking care of people. And they have people that are, are, you know, Christians that are there to do the work, the locals that have become Christians. And they told me one time that there's a Muslim guy who outworks all the Christians, is more loving, 
more faithful than the Christian, the people that say that they're Christians there. And it's kind of amazing how sometimes, you know, we can be outdone by somebody who doesn't even follow Jesus when it comes to loving our neighbor. I don't think that's the way the Lord intends for it to be. So how do you and I become a more loving neighbor? How do we become a more loving neighbor? I would say this. Start by knowing your literal neighbors. We're asking God for more in this this August series and through our in-house service. God, what's more? How can we be more fruitful, more impactful in our lives individually in the world around us? Well, let's start by knowing our our literal neighbors. Um, We lived in the same house for 11 years and just moved. And so we're having to restart knowing our literal neighbors. But it took a while. It takes a season to get to know who your literal neighbors are. Um, Dave Runyon is a friend of Novation and a friend of mine. And he wrote a book, co-authored a book called The Art of Neighboring years ago. And the reason that book came about was he was talking with uh, the mayor of Arvada. He lives in Arvada. And he said, how can the church, how can Christians come alongside the city, serve the city, help solve problems? And you know what the mayor told him? He said, would you just tell, you know, the church to to be good neighbors? Like just know their neighbors and look out for their neighbors? And he had like this aha moment, like you got to be kidding me. This guy that's not necessarily even a believer is just quoting Jesus about being a good neighbor, about loving, loving our neighbors. And the mayor told him a story about a a neighborhood where there was a house that was kind of getting run down. The grass wasn't getting cut. The trees weren't getting trimmed. And the garage door was kind of like half open. And and it just was kind of an eyesore in the neighborhood. And they called the city on this particular house. And when the city showed up, they came to find that there was a, a lady who didn't have any family who was suffering with cancer and didn't have the the strength to go out and and do the yard work, and do all of that. Imagine the guilt that we would have if you called the city on someone who had cancer. You didn't know about it. You didn't go to find out about it. The reason they didn't is they didn't know their literal neighbor. Let's don't ever let that happen with us. We need to know who is our literal neighbor. Here's a couple of things to ask is, do you know, do I know their names? Do you know the, the, their names? That's a great place to start. You can do that here in church, too. You want to learn how to love one another in here? Get to know some other people's names. Do you know something about them, your neighbors? What do they do for a living? Do they have kids, etc.? And then the deeper you go in learning about your neighbor and starting about knowing your neighbors, do you know any of their struggles? Once you know somebody's struggle, you're at a place that, that maybe it goes beyond superficial to or casual to really I can be involved in somebody's life. I found this might date myself here just a little bit, but nobody plays outdoors anymore, right? Nobody sits on their front porch. It's always we shut the garage door, boom, we're in and we got our back backyard, back porch. I know we live in an age of fear and there's all kinds of junk going on, but um, we we specifically have our chairs in the front it's a better view in the front to be honest with you 
But we'll play games. We did this recently, just this summer, play games out front. And our, we have kind of a busy neighborhood where people are exercising, walking their dogs. I'm sure you do too. We're getting to know people just by, instead of doing it in the back, doing it out front and learning to get to know people and get to know our neighbors. That's the place to start. The second thing would be this. I need to see their needs and have compassion on their pain. It says that the Samaritan, when he saw the broken man, the beat man, he saw him and he took pity on him. And it made me think about a verse in the Gospels where Jesus sees all these people and they're in pain and they're broken. And it says that Jesus saw them. They look like sheep without a shepherd. And he said, it says that Jesus had compassion on them. What a Christ-like thing is to have compassion. And here, here's a, an area that I think we all need work on. And I know I do, and I know we all, all do when it comes to this. What's our first inclination, our first inner inclination when you see somebody that doesn't look like you? Or when you see somebody that, that, you know, I mean, you could come to a quick judgment on them. They don't look like you. They don't act like you. They don't believe like you. What's your first inclination inside? We need to listen to that. Because if it's judgment and criticalness, then we're probably not operating in, in walking in the spirit the way we need to when it comes to loving our neighbor as ourself. Our first reaction towards somebody should be, they're created in the image of God. People are broken. People are in need of, of a lot of help. Our first reaction should be compassion. It says in 1 Corinthians 10, 24, no one should seek their own good, but the good of others. You know how counterintuitive that is to us? Born, we're born in sin. We're born selfish. We're born with a selfish nature. It's counterintuitive to look out for the good of others rather than ours for ourself first. I, I, I heard a guy say this not too long ago, and I, I thought it was really good. He said, sanctification, sanctification is a theological word for becoming like Jesus, like having our character transformed, the fruit of the spirit. That's a sanctification is a big word for that. It's, he said that sanctification is my will becoming good. In other words, my choices become about putting others first rather than myself. So our will is always in this tug of war. Am I going to be in it for me and self-centered, or am I going to be in it to obey God and do what's good for other people? There's a tug of war that goes on. And as we're being sanctified, as we're being changed, is if my first inclination is to do good for others, then I can know that I'm being changed and morphed into the, the image of Christ. And so how do we do that? Well, if we're going to see their people's needs and have compassion on their pain, i got to open my eyes. I have to wake up in the morning and say, God, open my eyes to what's going on around me. Open my eyes to the pain that's around me. And when you open your eyes, it's going to open your heart. And when your heart gets moved with compassion, you're going to open your hands to help somebody. Open eyes leads to an open heart, which leads to open hands to help and bless other people. But we're busy, right? Scott, I'm in a hurry. 
I've got kids to take care of. I've got to get to where I'm supposed to be. Busyness and hurriness. Is hurriness a word? Anyway, it sounds good. Hurriness, it's a, it's a killer to kindness. Busyness and hurriness kills kindness in our life. This hit me on Friday. I left one meeting to get to a, another appointment, and I was already late for my appointment. Is that not the worst feeling? I, I hate being late to things. And all of a sudden I realized, I need gas. No. And I have a big gas tank in a truck, right? And so I go, and I was like, okay, I don't want to run out of gas. That would be worse than, than being late. And so I go to start, you do my card, and nothing's working. Keep saying invalid, invalid. <laughs> I'm getting more and more frustrated and agitated. And I think I even said dang, you know, I got so frustrated. And I went over to the, to the gas station attendant and I said, uh, something's not working over here. Could you help me out? She was like, yeah, something's down with our system. Just go use your card and don't worry about it and I'll, I'll get it fixed up. And I said, do you want me to prepay? No, just go use your card. So I go back over there. Nothing's happening. Why, I'm late. And she uh, she said, "Is it working?" And I said, "No." Through the microphone, I, "No, it's not." I'm trying to fight it back. And she came walking out towards me, and she said, "I don't know what the problem is." And here's what I said: I said, "Listen, if I look agitated, it's not because of you. I'm late. I'm in a hurry, and it never fails when you're late and hurry." And she had a laugh about it. And instead of taking it out on her, having hurriness and busyness make me be a jerk to somebody that was just trying to do their job and had no control over it, I felt like I just was going to unplug the power of that because she could see it on my face. Sometimes we just need to do stuff like that. It's, Listen, I'm in a hurry. I'm sorry. It's not your fault. And she was like, you're cool, man. You're, you're good. And so it worked and I moved on and I was a little late for my appointment. <laughs> but... The second thing I would say about this, too, is we need to pray. We need to know how to pray for people. When you, God's going to bring somebody to your mind this morning, you've got to know how to pray for them. Pray, prayer leads to a compassionate heart. The third thing is this. I need to seize the opportunity and initiate help. If I'm going to be a more loving neighbor, I, I, I move from just seeing their, their pain and having compassion to doing something about it says that he went and he bandaged his wounds and he took him to the end. What a powerful thing. In, in the scriptures, we see that there's two types of sin. There's the sin of commission, which is I commit a sin. God says, don't do this, and I do it. That's the sin of commission. There's the sin of omission as well, where God says, do this, and when I don't do it, that's the sin of omission. And we're told in the book of Proverbs and the book of James that, that it, the good that we're supposed to do, when I fail to do it, it's sin. We've all been there. We've overlooked an opportunity to do good to somebody, and we failed at that. We need to seize the opportunity. It says in Galatians 6, 9 through 10, it says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of God. Fourth thing, to be a more loving neighbor, looking at the Samaritan and what he did, is I need to sacrifice whatever it takes. 
sacrifice whatever it takes. He says, I'll reimburse you any expense that you have. He was willing to sacrifice. Sacrifice is the definition of love. Sacrifice is the definition of what it means to truly love somebody. Jesus said, no greater love has somebody than this, that they lay down their life for their friends. And so, importantly, sacrificial love gets our attention. When we see somebody sacrificing, it moves our hearts. And if it moves our hearts, how much more does it move the heart of God? Um, a couple years ago, a movie came out called Hacksaw Ridge. It was a true story about a man named Desmond Dodd. And he was a guy who was, during World War II, had to go to the war but he had a religious conviction as a Christian that he should never sh- have a gun and shoot somebody else. And so he took a lot of grief for not doing that. But he, he promised that he would be the best servant that they, they would ever have as a medic if he didn't have to, to kill people. And so he single-handedly at the Battle of Okinawa rescued 75 men from they were totally tucked into this on this cliff and he single-handedly rescued 75 men he's the first was the first guy to ever get the medal of honor without ever shooting a gun without ever shoot firing a bullet i want you to watch this clip of what he did from hacksaw ridge
powerful image. Just one more, Lord. One more. Let me get one more. Now, we're not in the same kind of battle he was in. But we're in a battle for the hearts of people. People are hurting. People are broken around us. Are we willing to sacrifice? Am I willing to sacrifice? Jesus, at the end of this story, he asked the teacher of the law, he said, which of these do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law said, the one who had mercy on him. Go and do likewise. I want to finish with this. A couple action steps. They're going to come up on the, the screen Because you can hear a message about being a more loving neighbor, but what are we going to do about it? And there's a couple simple things. First of all, look for outreach opportunities. Um, You can start by inviting somebody to church. That's a good thing. Um, Come in October across the street on the new downtown, there's going to be a huge harvest festival. And we as a church through uh, Seth and Danielle and their leadership on outreach, we're going to create a team to do some sort of impact. So stay tuned for details on that. Second thing I would say is look for people with needs and offer help. We can all do that. Look at your neighbors, look at your coworkers, look at somebody that's in need and just offer help. Look for lonely people. Being a good neighbor starts with looking at for lonely people and be there for them. We live in a lonely world. Look for grieving people and be there for them. I'm going to throw a last one in that's going to be hard. Look for angry people and show them kindness. There's probably somebody in our lives that's grouchy, that we perceive as grouchy and angry. Do some sort of kindness. Not worried about whether you you break them down and they become (laughs) your best friend or not, but just show somebody kindness. So let's stand. I want to pray. I know a message like this is not the easiest thing because love is not a feeling, it's an action. And to step out and act, it's not always easy to do. But Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. Those commandments of loving God, loving our neighbor overlap. If you want to show love for God, let's become more loving people towards the people around us. Close your eyes with me. Ask God to bring somebody to your mind that needs to be loved. Lord, bring to our minds people that we might be overlooking. That we're not seeing because we're busy or because they seem difficult. Lord, let us love, more love, God. Lord, we know in ourselves that we cannot love difficult people, but Holy Spirit, you love everybody, and you live and dwell in us, and through you, we can love. Make us sensitive, God, to your spirit. Make us sensitive. Help us to pray for these folks. In Jesus' name, amen. As we get ready to to go from here this morning, I want to invite you to come up for prayer. If you uh, need prayer for anything, make your way up here. If you still want a Rockies ticket, feel free to to do that. Um, You're free to go. We're going to finish with a song. Um, If 
you want to go and get your kids or whatever. But if you want prayer, come up. Let's close with a chorus. God bless you as you go and have an amazing week.